last one here. Help me out a little bit tonight. I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leave the paths of Well, thank you for being here tonight, and uh, I hope that you will hasten to Him uh, when you're going through a difficult time, instead of just hastening to your friends. And uh, thank God for friends that can help us in time of need, but uh, ultimately, uh, we need to first and foremost go to the Lord. He needs to be our first resort, not the last. And uh, anyway, glad to have you here tonight, and uh, looking forward to the time together in God's Word. And uh, let's go ahead and ask God's blessing upon our service uh, together tonight. Lord, thank you for uh, all that you've already done in our midst. Uh, thank you for great services this morning and for each one that was here. And uh, Lord, thank you for the word of God that went forth. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us to not soon forget what we heard this morning and that you would help us to uh, be kind this week uh, to one another and to uh, live a gentle life. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, the opportunity to meet together this evening, and I pray, Lord, you'd speak to our hearts afresh and anew, and uh, Lord, thank you for each one that's here, and I pray you mightily bless each one. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. Please remain standing as we continue with The Lily of the Valley, page 361. The words will be on the screen, but uh, you can follow along in the hymn book if you would like to, The Lily of the Valley. morning we introduced, well technically on Wednesday night in the men's Bible study, we introduced for the first time our memory verse for the month of September, uh, but uh, we looked at it again this morning. Does anybody have it already memorized? It is an easier one, but does anybody have it memorized and would like to quote it this evening? Do we have any takers yet? No takers. Well, um, Mrs. Buhler sent me one from Avalyn, and so Mrs. Buhler, if you got that, 
or if you're watching tonight, uh, we uh, we did I did see that one from Avalon. She uh, she quoted that verse already. Uh, but uh, Psalm 119 verse two is our memory verse for the month of September. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, say it all together here. Ready, begin. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. Psalm 119.2. And uh, that's our uh, focus for the month is that we would keep God's word. We would know what God's word says and that we would go and do it. And that we would seek him with, our, with half of our heart, right? With most of our heart. No, with our whole heart. And that's the focus for the month of September. Um, just a couple quick announcements as we continue on uh, with the service. Wednesday night, uh, back in our series on comfort in the crisis, basically going through many of the different psalms. And uh, this coming Wednesday night, Lord willing, will be in Psalm 136. And uh, would invite you, and I, I did this a couple weeks ago, read that, if you would, as your homework in preparation for that, uh, that, that service. Um, and uh, last time I called a prayer meeting in, instead, but I, I do think we'll get into the, um, I do think we'll get into that message this, this Wednesday. And then uh, Saturday, we do have our outreach scheduled at 1030, and uh, thankful for many who have come and participated in that, and uh, praise the Lord as we have the opportunity to get the gospel out into our own Jerusalem. We do have a missionary family with us tonight visiting, and uh, they're missionaries to China, North Korea area. Is that right? Is that the right way to say that? Um, and uh, they are uh, trying to get the gospel out in that region. Well, uh, God has called us to get the gospel out in this region, and so we need to be faithful there, and, uh, and I, thankful, I am thankful for those who have come to help with that. Um, this coming uh, Sunday, a week from tonight, or today, we'll be having Grandparent Sunday. That's um, a, a day that's on the calendar uh, nationally, uh, but uh, we're going to recognize all the grandparents, and uh, if you have grandchildren, invite them to come. And uh, we'll take some, some fun family photos uh, together on next Sunday. And then we do have a teen garage sale. I'm going to let Brother Blake come and uh, give uh, that announcement and kind of give us the details on that. And then uh, we'll continue on. Well, Pastor just said we have a teen garage sale on September 18th and 19th. Pretty much if you have things around the house you want to get rid of, um, if you want to start bringing them to the church, Whenever you come, if you want to come during the day, let us know, let me know, and I'll be here to pick it up. Um, but we're also, we're going to sell some baked goods. Um, Kaylin's done a lot of garage sales before, um, and we've done some teen garage sales before, and that's something that goes over really well with people who stop by. So we're asking um, whoever would like to participate, if you could just make like a pan of brownies, a uh, pan of cookies, something like that. Uh, I think we're looking for brownies, cookies, and like breads. Is that right, Kaylin? Okay, something like that. And uh, if you guys would be willing to do something like that and be bringing them either the Wednesday before the 18th or the Thursday or Friday, whatever works best, we would love that if you guys be able to participate. I'm going to have a sign-up sheet next week, though, for those who, but this is just kind of a heads up that I'm going to have a sign-up sheet here for you guys. So if you guys have any junk around the house, not junk, nice things that you want to sell, um, or if you're willing to bake, let me know. We're going to have a sign-up sheet as well next week, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Does that include uh, any children we could oh, get rid of children in? Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that we'll make much off of our children, but hey, it's for a good cause though, right? So, <laughs> so there you go. 
All right. Well, at this time, um, we have a video. Uh, we'll go to that here in just a moment. Um, there's a church out in California that's under severe persecution uh, because of uh, the fact that they're in a location where they have put a lot of uh, restrictions on churches for meeting, and uh, they are being fined a lot of money on a regular basis. And uh, I wanted to have the pastor put out a, a video this week, and I wanted to show it to you so you all know kind of what's happening in our very own country. And uh, I know it's way out in California, uh, but, but for us, I mean, how many of you spent some time in California, lived there for a little while? Okay, a lot of hands, all right? So um, that's, that's my home state. Um, I don't really say that super loud here in Oklahoma, uh, but, and, and, and we were told in Montana to not really mention that too loudly, but, um, but the fact is, that's, that's where my family lives. Uh, my brother and his family live there, my dad and uh, his wife live there, and um, Julie's family, uh, mom and dad live out there, and, and uh, we, we care about what happens in California because of that, but most of what happens in California does eventually uh, fade over into the rest of the country in time. And so, um, anyway, I'm concerned about what's happening with this church and because I think that it sets a precedent either way uh, that will uh, fade into the rest of the country. And so, uh, the freedom of religion is under attack, and uh, we'll go ahead and watch this video to kind of show that and illustrate that a little bit more. The first three words of the Constitution is we, the people, not we, the government. The government works for the people. I'm Pastor Jack Treber of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. Well, the government's done it again. They've ratcheted this thing up. They just posted more signs on our building. Because they said we're having an indoor gathering, we are not social distancing, which is not true, by the way. We are refusing to wear face masks, and we're now, again, singing in church. And we've not given them a protocol, or we're not allowed to give them a protocol because they won't accept it. So they fined us $250 for one day. The next day, $500. The next day, $1,000. The next day, $2,000. The next day, $4,000. And now the last four days, they've just given to this $5,000 a day. In addition to having Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night church, that's $5,000 each time. Every single day, we don't give them a protocol. What protocol can we give them? America, this is a serious moment. In just these few days, we're up to $52,000. $52,750. Government, it must stop. It cannot continue this way. It's we the people. I read to you from the Bill of Rights. I'm going to try to make this quick. Congress shall make no law. No law establishing the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Or abridging. Abridging. Abridging, we know, means to lessen or to diminish or to reduce. They cannot reduce our rights. It's not the government's right to do that or the freedom of speech the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble that refers also to this idea of religion in the first part of this amendment we have the right 
to assemble before God. Not only do we have a constitutional right, we have a biblical command. Now, several things. America, thank you for joining us in prayer. America, will you please help us? This has to stop. This has to cease. You have given us government cease and desist. I'm asking you on this day, cease and desist. This is harassment to do this to a church, to close down a church. And California preachers, if we don't stop it here, it's going to sweep all over, which it already has in our state, and it's going to sweep all over the United States of America. Government cannot take away our freedom. You cannot take our right to assemble. County, state of California, it must stop. One, I'm asking you to stop all fines. And two, I'm asking you to remove all fines. This is not Caesar's money. This is God's money. We have rendered unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and we have rendered unto God through our tithes and offerings, which is his. I'm not threatening at all today, but I'm going to tell you this. All the more, we are not closing down this church. I hope you get this message. I don't know what the consequences on your part is going to be, but I know that America, I know America does not want this to happen in her country and at this church. God bless you, America. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your encouragement. Wow. I mean, I'm thankful we live in Oklahoma at the moment, <laughs> but if that doesn't get solved there, it, it could become a thing here. And so let's take a quick moment right now and have some prayer for that church and for that situation, um, because that, I believe, is a... We're, we're at a crossroads right now to see what we're going to end up doing with that situation. So uh, let's bow for prayer on behalf of uh, the North Valley Baptist Church. Lord... We come before you. We thank you for the promise in your word that the, uh, that this church that you have founded, that the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Yet yeah, that, that's not necessarily a guarantee that there won't be persecution, that there won't be times of suffering and challenging times like what we're going through here in America. Father, I do pray for uh, this situation that uh, Pastor Treber there in California um, I pray, Lord, that the government would back off on their restrictions and that they would understand that they are infringing upon the liberty that our founding fathers uh, fought for and started this country for. Uh, Lord, I ask that uh, you would help uh, the attorneys there as they're working through this and trying to uh, work through the courts and all of that. Father, I pray that uh, you would uh, help us to maintain religious freedom here in this country. Um, we, we are thankful for how you're holding back judgment that, that we rightly deserve. Um, and Lord, I, I believe if we uh, don't maintain this religious liberty, uh, that uh, there will, uh, the judgment will come. And Father, I pray that uh, you would just bless that pastor, give him wisdom, give him courage, give him boldness. And uh, be with their church family as they uh, make difficult choices individually as whether they should go or not. And I pray, Lord, that you would grant them wisdom and courage as well. And uh, Father, I do pray that you would win a great victory there for our country and for religious freedom and for the cause of Christ. And uh, Lord, in the meantime, help us to be faithful and to 
enjoy the religious freedom we have here in Oklahoma and take, to take advantage of it and to enjoy it and, and to not um, take it for granted. Um, and Lord, I, I do pray for, for your will to be accomplished in this country. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, thank you for that. Um, I know that there's churches in other countries, and, and you, you guys know, the, you guys in, in China, uh, they're not able to meet freely like this, um, or at least they're, it's, it's, not a, it's not a common thing. There's a lot of underground churches, and, and boy, it'd be sure sad if America got to the point where we had to have underground churches. Um, I mean, the, the whole reason this country was founded was so that we can have freedom of religion, and uh, it, it's sad that we're having to face this. I wanted to read real quick a couple of thank you notes uh, that were given uh, to our church. Um, this one's from the Luno family, and uh, they say, Our thanks to you with warmest thanks, grateful hearts, and deep appreciation for your thoughtfulness. Thank you so much for the gift and kind words and prayers as we worked with the teens the last number of years. We appreciate you all and will always treasure our time investing in our teens May God bless you all and bless Cornerstone Baptist Church. Love David, Nikki, and Kenzie Luno, and uh, we are very thankful for them. So thank you for that note. Uh, we're going to write a thank you note for the thank you note. You know, uh, how many know that that's kind of like awkward to want to do, but then it's like uh, anyway. Uh, this is also from uh, our newest missionary family that uh, we just took on for support, the Canavan family, uh, missionaries to or and church planners to New York City. They say uh, thank you. Dear Pastor Johnson and church family, it was such a blessing to be with you last week for your midweek service. We love meeting each of you and seeing what God is doing and more. Thank you for your generous love offering and all of your prayers. Your love for the Lord and heart for missions is truly a blessing. Love, John and Amber and Eliana Canavan. And uh, it's a blessing to have them part now of our uh, church family through our missions program. All right, we're going to do a creation moment. We haven't done one of these in a long time. And so we're going to do that tonight. It's a very quick one, um, and the title of this one is In the Blink of an Eye. Psalm 6.6 6 says, I am weary with my groaning. Hopefully that's not too awkward and uh, creepy to have an eye looking at you, but I am weary with my groaning all the night. Make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Well, the miracle takes place in the blink of an eye, literally. Every time you blink, you bathe the surface of your eye with a miraculous fluid called tears. And uh, most of us don't think about blinking until right now. We're all thinking about blinking, right? And uh, so tears are actually blinker fluid. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> um, well, every time you think, you bathe the surface of your eye with a miraculous fluid called tears. Tears are not simply a salty water solution. They are made of water but also have oils, electrolytes, and sticky carbohydrates called uh, mucins. In addition, they contain antibacterial and antiviral substances. One of these substances is called uh, lysosome. Sorry. Any bacteria or virus that finds itself in tear fluid has a 95% chance of being dead within 10 minutes. That blink of an eye keeps the surface of the eye properly moisturized so that our vision remains clear. Without this moisturization, your eyes would become red and painful, and if untreated, you would probably go blind. Tear fluid also 
provides, or blinker fluid, uh, provides needed oxygen to the uh, surface of your eyes. But perhaps the most amazing property of tears is even more unexpected. Humans are the only creatures that cry emotional tears. Studies have shown that the ability to produce tears and cry actually helps us cope with emotional situations. There are some inherited diseases which make people unable to cry tears. Well, studies have shown that people with this disease cannot deal well with stress. Tears are a blessing in many ways, but we also must remember that God has promised to wipe away all of our tears when we reach heaven, and I'm looking forward to that day. And so uh, those tears are a tremendous blessing. And uh, Paul said to Timothy, uh, as Timothy was going off into the ministry, that the Lord is mindful of our tears, and uh, he sees every tear that, that we have and what we're going through, and, and I'm thankful for that. Okay, well, this time we're going to have our children come, and uh, if there are any children who have a memory verse to quote, we'll go ahead and do that uh, at this time, and I'm going to have Brother Randy be our, our treat giver aware. First Peter two twenty one First Peter two twenty one for even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. First Peter two twenty one. Great work. Good job. First Peter two one twenty one. Um, for even hereunto were ye called because Christ suffered, also also suffered, uh, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Good job. Uh, for even even though. You should be called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. First Peter 2.21. Good work, Joel. What times I am afraid, I will trust in thee, Psalm 66.3. Excellent work. It's Jesus Christ, and I would be saved. Amen. Good work. Good work. All right. That's good preaching, Veronica. <laughs> Amen. All right. We're going to go ahead and stand for our last song before we get into the message uh, tonight. Hallelujah, what a Savior, page 184 in your hymnal. Again, the words will be on the screen. Hallelujah, what a Savior.
you're standing, if you would take your Bible and uh, turn to Genesis 45 is where we'll be tonight. Genesis 45, what a Savior He is, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the message tonight, um, all that God has done for us, and uh, it is amazing, pretty mind-blowing. Genesis 45, and uh, we're going to read just the first three verses to start with, and uh, we'll look at several more as we go through this message tonight, but Genesis 45, verses 1 through 3. Genesis 45, verse 1 says, Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And let's pray together one more time. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the life of Joseph and the lessons that we can learn uh, in the life of Joseph. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to learn the lessons tonight that you have for us. Help us, Lord, to uh, be good listeners tonight, but then help us to go and do what we hear. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So we're continuing our series through the life of Joseph, and we come to one of the more dramatic parts in his life, uh, the time where he declares to his brothers that he is indeed Joseph. Uh, I'd like to ask, start by asking this question. How many of you have ever participated in some type of a play, whether it be like a skit or an actual like play that your school put on or even a church? How many of you have ever done that? Okay, a lot of you have had the opportunity to do that. You've gone and memorized the lines and maybe you got to wear a costume and you went through rehearsals and, and uh, you were part of all of that. Well, when I was in high school, um, they offered, in my public high school, they offered drama as an elective, and, and I ended up taking that my sophomore year of high school. And then I did it again in my junior year of high school, and then I did it again in my senior year. So I took drama for three years. And it wasn't because I thought I was going to be the next Tom Cruise or something along those lines, although, you know, I mean, it the... The, the likeness is uncanny, I get that. But um, it wasn't because I necessarily wanted to pursue a career in acting. Really what I wanted to do was overcome my fear of public speaking. And I thought that this would be a, a perfect way to do that. And in those three years, I didn't ever really do well at acting. Um, and for those who have seen a couple of our skits at the banquets, the, the Valentine banquets we've done and the couple's banquets we've done. Uh, it's pretty obvious that those three years, I needed a lot more than that to be good at acting. Um, but I did, and I was able to partially overcome my fear of public speaking, and little did I know that one day that's what I would end up doing all the time, <laughs> uh, at least three or four times a week uh, as, a, as a pastor. But uh, one thing about acting is that moment... Uh, when you break character. And for those who 
have uh, any acting experience, you know what I'm talking about in rehearsals when you're supposed to be in character and then somebody does something that makes you laugh and then you just, you break character and it's supposed to be a serious scene and, and uh, you just, you know, uh, crack up because of what they did and uh, it, it's, not, it's not good. Ideally, uh, you break character when you're not on stage, you know, when you get backstage and you can kind of be yourself again. And, uh, well, uh, Joseph for a long time has been playing a part, hasn't he, in, in, in his relationship with his brothers after uh, they come down to Egypt to get some food. He realizes who they are, and, and so he, he puts on this act. And uh, the, the act is that he's just some random uh, guy who lives in Egypt who happens to have authority, and uh, he uh, looks like an Egyptian. He has the costume Right, and he has the uh, language of an Egyptian, and he uses an interpreter, and and uh, he's basically playing a part, and he's uh, in character for a long, long time, and then, but now he 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 finally breaks character, and uh, he's about to break character and to declare his to his brothers who he really is after all this time. I mean, the act is about to be over. And so this is a beautiful story of forgiveness and grace and, and one of the most beautiful pictures of God's grace to mankind as well. And uh, we'll, we'll dive into that in a moment. But just to bring us back up to speed very quickly, because again, it's been a little over a month since we've been back in this series. Um, I wanted just to bring us back up to speed. In this series, we've seen Joseph, who was a favored son and a faithful son who received dreams from the Lord. Remember uh, when we... Uh, find him. He's a 17-year-old teenage young man who uh, received a couple dreams from the Lord, and uh, he was also uh, his his dad, his dad's favorite son. Gave him a coat of many colors. Remember that. Well, his brothers didn't take well to uh, the fact that he was the favorite son, and the one, and the fact that he uh, also was faithful and telling on his brothers. Remember that. And, uh, and pretty soon this kind of festered so much that these brothers wanted to get even with Joseph. And, and finally they, they thought, hey, there's an opportunity for us to take him down and take his life. Well, at the last second, they decided instead to uh, call an audible and, and ended up selling him into slavery instead to make some money. Well, Joseph finally ends up working for a powerful man named Potiphar, and he excelled in this role. And uh, he became kind of second in command in Potiphar's household. Uh, but in the process, he ended up being, he was targeted by Potiphar's wife, which uh, began to make advances towards uh, Joseph. Well, Joseph overcame those temptations, but as a result, uh, Joseph was cast into prison because uh, Mrs. Potiphar began to lie about what had happened. And he, Joseph, was placed into prison. Well, while in prison, he met a couple men who had dreams, both of which Joseph faithfully interpreted. And uh, they both ended up coming to pass. And uh, uh, one, one of those guys was supposed to put in a good word for Joseph once he got released, but he forgot. For two years, he forgot. And two years went by and crickets, nothing happened. And finally, though, Pharaoh did have two disturbing dreams of his own, and when no one in his court could help, the butler finally remembered Joseph. 
And so he was released from prison and ultimately uh, was given the position and the power to be basically second in command in Egypt and, and declared that there were going to be uh, seven years of fam- or, or plenty and then seven years of famine. And uh, he gave a great plan and, and, and God gave him wisdom with that. And uh, well, once that famine began to hit, it hit not just Egypt, but it hit everybody. And so people from all over would come down to Egypt and to uh, see this man, Joseph, and, and uh, buy food to bring home. And so Israel and his brother and his sons uh, uh, went down to Egypt to get food, and, and they go and, and meet Joseph. And he realizes who they are, but they don't realize who he is. And uh, after several different tests uh, come and go, uh, they finally show up again, uh, and in chapter 44 is where we come to that second time they come and, and uh, meet with Joseph. And remember, he had to bring Benja- they had to bring Benjamin with them in order for Joseph to give them any more food and to get uh, Simeon back. So anyway, they, they did that in chapter 44, and Judah stands up and says, hey, I will be the one, you send the rest of my brothers, I'll be the one that you can keep as your slave. Well, this display uh, caused Joseph in chapter 45 and verse number 1, it was enough for him. He realized that they had passed the test that he had been given, and it was finally time to declare who he was. And so we see, first of all, uh, six different thoughts tonight, uh, and we're going to kind of try to go through these quickly as we can. But first of all, we want to look at the revelation, the revelation. And in verses 1 through 3, he reveals finally, after all this time, after all these different tests, he finally reveals who he is. Verse number 1, Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried. We talked about tears a moment ago. Uh, here was some tears that he cried. By the way, this wasn't the first time that uh, his brothers brought him tears. I, I imagine there was some tears there as they left him in the pit, probably to die. And then as he was, uh, again, the, they called an audible and changed plans and instead sold him into, sla- sold him into slavery. I imagine uh, I would have been uh, brought to tears as well by the betrayal of my own my own flesh and blood. But not only do we, I imagine there was some tears in those moments, but we do read of uh, actual tears that for sure happened in Genesis 43. And um, as he sees Benjamin for the first time, he had never met his youngest brother, Benjamin, and now he he does meet him in uh, chapter 43. And verse number 30 says, And Joseph made haste, for his bowels did yearn upon his brother, and he sought where to weep. And he entered into his chamber and wept there. He was trying to keep his act going, right? But it was time to find a place, and so he exited stage left to find a place to cry. But this time in chapter 45, he can't control it and dismisses all of his servants, so it's just him and his brothers in that room. And so he said, cause every man to go out from me, verse 1 of chapter 45. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he began to cry. 
And he cried so loud that verse 2 says this, he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. Uh, It was just time to unleash the emotion that had been bottled up for 20 years. And so he let it all out. And once he finally regains his composure enough to speak, the first words to his brother, to his brethren, verse number three, Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. This was the atomic bomb that he was uh, waiting for the right time to drop to their to, to the ears of his brothers. And finally it was time, and he announces that he is. Joseph, their brother, that had been sold into slavery 20 years ago. For two decades, they didn't know if he lived or died, and I don't know if they cared all that much. But now all of a sudden, they know in a moment that this guy is their brother who 20 years ago treated so poorly. Boom. I am Joseph. Can you imagine being a fly on the wall in that moment? When Joseph announces to his brothers, the ones who had betrayed him, now they know that he's alive. And then he asks this question in verse number three. He says, I am Joseph. And then he says, does my father yet live? Doth my father yet live? Is he still alive? And so he reveals himself to his brothers. But then I want us to see number two, the reaction. The reaction is found in verse number three. The Bible says, as he announces the fact that he is Joseph and that the brother lives, his brethren could not answer him for they were troubled at his presence. No kidding. Imagine being one of the brothers. Imagine sitting there and seeing this powerful man, uh, the one who had uh, given you all these different tests and treated you all these different strange and doing all these strange things to you. Now it all kind of starts making sense and the puzzle starts, uh, the missing piece is, is finally there. Well, I want us to see a couple things about the reaction of these brothers. First of all, they were shocked They were shocked. In verse number 3, the Bible says, and his brethren could not answer him. They were completely shocked that this was their brother who after 20 years uh, is alive and well and in tremendous power. They were shocked. And that would have been a shocking moment. I mean, it was like, I don't really know what to say. And so they were shocked. I mean, can you imagine learning that your brother is alive and well after all these years? That would be a a shocking revelation for sure. But not only were they shocked, but they were scared. In verse number 3 it says, And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. The word troubled there gives the idea of, of being in fear because, oh boy, It's going to all come down on us. That whole concept that uh, be sure your sin will find you out. Well, it it, it was coming to pass in these brothers' lives and and, uh, now they were fearful for their whole life. They thought, we're goners for sure because uh, now he's going to 
drop down the hammer that we so rightfully deserve. They were scared. They were scared. Uh, the, wind, the wheels began, began to spin in their hearts and in their minds, and they put everything together, and they thought, oh boy, it's his opportunity to get even. And, and I imagine they probably thought, you know, those dreams that he had when he was 17, they actually came true, didn't they? And uh, I wonder how he's going to treat us now. I wonder uh, what he's going to do to us. We certainly deserve to have him... Uh, execute revenge upon us. But is that what he does? Well, let's keep going here. So we see the reaction. I want us to see, thirdly, the reconciliation. Let's look in verse number four. And Joseph ordered his servants to slay his brothers. Is that what verse four says? (laughs) Not in my Bible, probably not in yours too. And if it says that in your Bible, you've got the wrong Bible. That's not, what, that's not what happens here. Joseph said unto his brethren, and this is kind of mind-boggling to me and mind-blowing, he says to them, come near to me, I pray you. Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. But then notice what he says in verse 5, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. He said, don't worry about it. It's been forgiven. See, instead of seeking revenge, Joseph asks them and invites them to come near to him. What a picture of grace, isn't that? Even though they were guilty and deserving of punishment and retribution, Joseph invites them to come closer. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, and even though we are deserving of eternal punishment because we are indeed guilty of transgressing the law of God, Jesus instead invites us to come closer to Him. Can you hear the words that Jesus would say to us? Come near to me, I pray you. Uh, we've said many times in this series that Joseph is a picture of Christ. And, uh, and here uh, we can hear the words of Christ as he says, Come near to me, I pray you. Yes, I know you're guilty, but I have offered you forgiveness. We are deserving of eternal punishment in a place called hell, but Jesus instead invites us to come closer to him. Isaiah 1 and verse number 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Yes, we have sin in our lives, but instead God doesn't want to destroy us, though we deserve that. He instead wants to forgive us. Matthew 11 and 28 says this, Come unto me, Jesus says, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, Jesus invites us to come closer to Him instead of pushing us aside because of how guilty we are. 
James 4 and verse number 8, uh, James says this, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. So as we make that first move that Jesus invites us to take, to draw nigh to God, and He promises to take the next step toward us. This invitation that was Joseph's way of saying that he forgave them. In verse 5 he said, Be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. And notice, by the way, that he offered this forgiveness before any of the brothers ever said anything by saying, Please forgive me. He offered this uh, invitation before they ever said, Oh, I'm so sorry, Joseph. Uh, we, we, we're not going to do that anymore. We've learned our lesson. We're sorry. It was before they ever were able to say anything that Joseph said to them, come near to me, I pray you. And Jesus has offered us forgiveness before we ever even asked for it. And He made the way for us to have forgiveness on the cross of Calvary before we ever asked for it. And so we see the reconciliation there. But then I want us to see, fourthly, the reason. The reason uh, in Joseph's mind why all of this happened. Uh, let's pick it up again in verse number 5. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And then verse 8, let's look at this. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. You see, here we see Joseph's perspective as he looked back at the last two decades of his life. He saw, instead of the fact is, you know, he could have given a litany of things. Oh, yeah, I was mistreated by my brothers. And yeah, I was lied about it in Potiphar's house. And then I was forgotten in prison. Uh, when somebody was promised to, to remember me, I was forgotten in prison for two more years. I mean, just one thing after another. It's just my life. It's my lot in life. Everybody mistreats me. And it's just a horrible life. That could have been his perspective. But instead... His perspective was that God was in charge and in control of all of it. And he was thankful for, uh, and he saw the sovereignty of God in his life. And although Romans 8.28 hadn't been written yet, um, at least on paper, uh, the truth of the verse was played out in living technicolor in the life of Joseph. And to remind us of Romans 8.28, it says this, and I like the first three words here, and we know. We have this confidence. And there's no doubt about it that, uh, that Joseph had confidence that God uh, was able to work all things together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. So Joseph had the confidence that God was powerful enough to make all things work together. You mean being sold into slavery, was God able to make that work together? Yeah. Uh, what about being lied about in Potiphar's house? Yeah, God was able to work that out 
together for good? What about being forgotten in prison? Was God able to work that out? Yeah, God was able to work that out as well. He had the confidence that all things work together. And I do remind, want to remind us all tonight that uh, the word all means all, and that's all all means. See, God has the power, the ability to work all things together for good. Okay, in our lives, does that include the good things that God entrusts us? I mean, our, our families, our jobs, our material possessions, our talents and our abilities. Yeah, all things. God's able to use all things, even the good things. What about uh, our problems and difficulties? Does it include losing a job or getting cancer or the death of a loved one? Yeah, all things. We know that all things. Does that include hurricanes and tsunamis, earthquakes, tornadoes, and other natural disasters? Yeah, all things. Does that include fines that the county gives to a church in California? Yeah, all things. Does that include war and pestilence and starvation? All things. Does it include COVID-19? It includes all things. Does it include the fallout of this time, the loss of income, the financial upheaval, the uncertain future? All things. God was able to use all things in the life of Joseph. God was able to use the betrayal of his brothers. God then used his time as a slave in Potiphar's house. God then used the deception of Potiphar's wife when she lied about him. I mean, would, would Joseph have ever uh, been introduced to Joseph in a different way? Could God have done that? Yes. But the way God chose to do it was within his sovereign plan. And God had reasons for all of it. God even used his time in prison when the Lord used him at his time as second in command of Egypt to plan and prepare for a worldwide crisis. God used all things in the life of Joseph. And by the way, if you are a believer who loves the Lord, he will use all things for, your, for good in your life as well. And uh, Joseph had that perspective, and the encouragement for all of us tonight is to have that same perspective. As we go through good things and bad things, God's able to work it all together for good. And again, good doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, I'm going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Um, good in that context is that we are being conformed into the image of Christ. That's the good that should come out of all the things that go on in our lives. And so we see the reason. Then number five, I want us to see the resolution. We're in verse number nine. So in verses four and five, he offers them forgiveness. He says, hey, don't worry about it. I've forgiven you. You and me, we're good. I want you to go ahead and go back to Canaan and, you know, you go live your life and I'm going to kind of live mine and we'll just kind of go our separate ways, but I want you to know we're good. Uh, is that what happens here? No. Let's look in verse number nine. He says this, Haste ye and go up to my father, say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt, Come down unto me, tarry not, and thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast, and there will I nourish thee, 
For yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. You see, I, most of us would have, be te- would, have, would have been tempted in Joseph's shoes to just say what I said a moment ago. You, you go back to Canaan, I'll hang here, uh, you live your life, I'm going to live mine, but no hard feelings, eh? That's what I would have maybe been tempted to do, but that's not what Joseph did. Instead, he says, I, I want to resolve, and I wanna, my, my resolution is to have you all come down here and live with me. So he resolves to bring his family down to Egypt to take care of them. See, Joseph not only forgave them, but he wanted to bless them and to bless them exceedingly. Now imagine these brothers hearing all of this. I mean, they realize, number one, they're guilty of sin because Joseph knows exactly everything that they did. And now it's all clear in their minds who this guy is. And they were thinking, he has the right to order his servants to come and take off our heads. But instead, he's offered us forgiveness. And now, on top of all of that, he wants us to come down and to live with him here in Egypt. And he says, look in, the, look in verse 11, he says, There will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine. He says, I am going to hook you up. I'm going to give you the best treatment that I can. Did they deserve any of this? Absolutely not. Now, guess what? This, to me, is a beautiful picture of grace for me and my relationship with God. Because you see, not only has Jesus Christ offered to forgive me, which I didn't deserve, and neither did any of us in here. But he has also given us blessings beyond measure. Not only did God say, hey, come near to me, I want to forgive you, and, 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 and it for it to be good between you and me, but not only that, he wants to now pour on the blessings and turn on the spigot full blast and give us abundant blessings here on this earth. Amazing. We say, what are some of the blessings that God has granted us, Pastor? Well, thank you for asking, because I'm going to tell you. (laughs) What kind of blessings has God uh, wanted to give us? Well, uh, just to name a few here, He has erased our sin debt. He has made us accepted in the beloved. He has permanently changed our eternal address from the lake of fire to a glorious place called heaven and is right now preparing a place just for me and just for you. He has adopted us into His family and calls us His own. And in this new family, we have brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us the security that nothing shall separate us from His love. He has given us the Holy Spirit who has sealed us, who has indwelt us, who guides us into all truth, who convicts us of our sin, and who produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. He has given us His Word, which is the truth. He has given us the Word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And He has given us a mission to accomplish, a purpose to fulfill, a mission to carry the light of the Gospel into the darkness. Uh, like our missionary couple with us tonight. That's what they have dedicated their lives to do, and, and we should as well. God, God has given us this mission to accomplish. And those are just to name a few. 
of the blessings that God has given us. No wonder Paul said in Ephesians 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. See, God not only wants to forgive us of our sin, but He wants to pour out the blessings beyond measure in our lives. That's how good our God is. None of us deserve it, but He offers it anyway. What a picture of grace. And we talked this morning in a morning service about the, the aspect of the fruit of the Spirit called gentleness or kindness. We'll talk about gentleness and kindness displayed in the life of Joseph here towards his brothers. Sure, he could have gotten even. Sure, he could have settled the score, but instead he decided to forgive and to bless beyond measure. Praise the Lord. Uh, let me go ahead and keep reading here, and we'll uh, read to verse 23. In verse number 12, it says, And behold, your eyes see in the eyes of my brother Benjamin that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. Like, this is no dream that you're having here. This is happening. Verse 13, You shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen, and ye shall haste and bring down my father hither, hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. So it was an emotional reunion. Verse 15, Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them, and after that his brethren talked with him. The fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, and it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. So it was just this time of rejoicing that uh, Joseph made known that these were his brothers, and, and uh, it was just kind of a, a party atmosphere there in Pharaoh's house. Verse 17, Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto your brethren, This do ye, laid your beasts, and go, get you into the land of Canaan. Take your father and your households, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt. Ye shall eat the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded, this do ye, take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones, and for your wives, and bring your father, and come. So they came down, I'm sure, on inexpensive animals, but... Uh, Pharaoh now offers them to take back some expensive, uh, top-of-the-line, uh, latest model wagons to take back to uh, Canaan to get everybody and bring them down. So I guess the first station wagon in history right here, uh, first minivan in history. Verse 20, Also regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. The children of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the way. And so, I mean, he, he, again, these guys deserved judgment. These guys deserved to, uh, you know, for, for Joseph to make things even, but instead he blesses them. Amazing. And God blesses all of us when we don't deserve it. All right, verse number uh, 22 here. To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father he sent after this manner 10 asses laden with good things of Egypt and 10 she-asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. Again, just super generous, and he had the power and the ability to do it, and he used that opportunity to do good to his own family. 
We talked about that this morning in the gentleness aspect of, hey, when God gives us opportunity to do good, especially to those of the household of faith, we need to take advantage of those opportunities, regular acts of kindness. Joseph was doing that with his family. And so uh, we see here the, uh, the resolution. He resolves uh, to bless his family in an immense way. But then let's wrap it up here with number six, and that's the request. In verse 24, last verse uh, that we'll mention in this passage. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed. And he said unto them, and this is kind of the final request before they take off, before they you know, try to leave early to get home and see dad and tell him this shocking news that uh, Joseph is alive and well, and he is the most, one of the most powerful men in the world at the time. He, he gives them one request. In verse 24, he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. See that ye fall not out by the way. So he sends them home with one final request. See that ye fall not out by the way. In other words, he encouraged them to stay together. But not just physically, not just, you know, hey, I want you guys to stay together because there's bad guys that are looking to take you out if one gets separated. That, that's, that's not really what he meant. What he really meant wasn't just physical uh, not falling out, but emotional not falling out. That they were to stay together emotionally. You see, he wanted them to refrain from fighting because... Ever since he can remember, they had fought. I mean, brothers, that's kind of their job description, right? <laughs> uh, no, it's not. That was kind of sarcastic. Uh, my son is ra- he's nodding his head. No, it's not supposed to be our, their job description. But uh, these, these brothers, they did fight, and, and that's how this all thing started, isn't it? Fighting with uh, Joseph. And he said, hey, as you go back home, please don't quarrel. Please stop fighting. Let there be no strife among you. And there was definitely potential there as, once again, Benjamin gets special treatment in verse 22. Remember, he gets 300 pieces of silver. No one else got any extra silver. Everybody got a change of clothes. Well, Benjamin had got five changes of clothes. And so, you know, Benjamin, after they left, he could have said, Hey, where's all your silver? Because I got 300 pieces. Nah, 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 nah. Uh, uh, he could have said, Hey, I, you, have one, you have a change of clothes? Uh, let's see, what am I going to wear today? Uh, let's see, I got five to choose from. Let's see. You know, he could have rubbed it in and, and, and caused uh, some division there. But, in, but, but uh, Joseph's desire and request here is that they would uh, get along as they uh, went back home. Now, one commentator said that Joseph knew that they were but too apt to be quarrelsome and that what had lately passed as revived the remembrance of what they had done formerly against their brother might give them occasion to quarrel. I imagine as they left, it was kind of like, I told you we shouldn't have tried to kill Joseph. Yes, you did. And back and forth, it could have gone. And so that's why he said, See that you fall not out, by the way. By the way, this charge 
our Lord Jesus Christ has given to us. That we would not fall out by the way. That we would instead love one another. That we would live in peace. And that whatever occurs or whatever occurrences uh, are remembered that we fall not out. Why? Because we are all brethren. We have the same Father. We need to get along. The, the family of God should not be fighting amongst themselves. Why? Because there's a lost and dying world that needs us to be a united front as we go forward and, and try to get the gospel out to the people who need it so desperately, but we're too busy focused on our side and whether we're right and, and trying to prove our point. We're brethren and we all have one Father and let's move forward in, together in peace and strive together, not strive against uh, one another. We are His brethren, by the way, and we shame our relationship to Him who is our peace if we fall out. Another reason we should uh, live together in peace is because we are forgiven of God whom we have all offended and therefore we should be ready to forgive one another. These brethren, as they go by, you know, they could say, hey man, you, you stepped on my foot. Yeah, well, Joseph forgave us of much greater than that, so... Uh, you can forgive me of stepping on your foot, okay? And uh, we have been forgiven tremendously of God, and, and uh, we need to remember that as, as we are uh, hurt and mistreated by others because, hey, we have mistreated God, and He's chosen to forgive us. Romans 13, 13, Paul said this to the church at Rome, Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, and not in strife and envying. We need to be, uh, as I said a couple weeks ago as we studied peace, uh, we need to, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Philippians 2.3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. 1 Peter 2.1, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envyings, and all evil speakings. And Psalm 133, 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's a good thing and it's pleasant when a church family can be together in unity. And that's what Joseph was saying here is, guys, as you go back home, dwell together in unity. Do not fall out by the way. So, several important lessons for us tonight as we uh, wrap this up. Uh, and a lesson regarding forgiveness. Uh, Joseph could have acted so many different ways, right? He could have chosen to settle the score, but instead he said, Come near to me, I pray you. Uh, I'm willing to forgive you. Look, I, I don't be upset. It's been forgiven. It's, uh, Jesus would say, It's under the blood. It's water under the bridge. Let's not bring it up again. And it's been forgiven. We also looked at the understanding of God's sovereignty of our, in our lives and to realize that even negative things that, we may, that may seem negative at the time, God is able to use all of those things for His good and His glory and our good as well. We also hopefully have an appreciation of the grace that God has shown us and encouraging us to show grace to those who have wronged us too. Instead of saying, you know what? 
I forgive you, but I never want to see you again. That's not what Joseph said to his brothers. He wanted them to live close and, you know, bring, all, bring, bring your, your children and your children's children. Bring all your animals and, and let's, let's have you live here. And that's what he did. Uh, we learned the lesson then uh, that we would be a united body of believers. And that we would fall not out by the way as we go toward our home. And that we... Uh, are a united front and that we're striving together for the faith of the gospel and that we're dwelling together in unity. Uh, I imagine, I know as I was going through this message and preparing it and the Lord was working in my heart in some of these areas and, and uh, I suspect maybe God's worked in your heart too as we've looked at this particular aspect of Joseph's life. Well, with that, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be done here shortly. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be in your house tonight, to look at the life of Joseph and to be encouraged uh, regarding your sovereignty, the fact that you're in control of all of it. And Joseph had that perspective. Help us to have that same perspective. Help us, Lord, to uh, be willing to forgive those who have wronged us. And not only to forgive, but then to show them grace and to bless them, to be a blessing and an encouragement to them, to let them know that there are really no hard feelings and that we love them still. Help us, Lord, as we go our way to fall not out, to stay together and to dwell together in unity. Help our church family as we go forward uh, to apply these truths to each of our lives and to our church as a whole. I'm going to ask Miss uh, Pat to play the first verse of that next song here, Day by Day. And as she does, I want to invite you to have a time of prayer right there um, as the Lord has spoken to your heart this, this evening. Father, thank you for the time tonight as we've gotten to look at a very dramatic portion of the life of Joseph. Help us, Lord, to now go and do what we've heard. And uh, Lord, I pray you give us courage and boldness and uh, the heart to be able to do all of this. And we'll thank you for all you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's all stand together. We're going to be dismissed in a word of prayer. Thank you all for being here today. Um, I do want our missionary uh, brother Greg to come on up. Greg Feinauer, is that how you say it? See, look at that. Brother Greg's going to come and dismiss us in a word of prayer and uh, missionary to North Northeast Asia, and uh, just stopping through and uh, thank you both for being here tonight. And uh, it was a blessing to have you all, and hope it was a blessing for you to be here too. So, uh, thank you for being here, and if you would dismiss us in a word of prayer. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you and praise you for your goodness to us. Lord, it's just so good to be able to assemble and
hear your word preached and, and to be able to sing praises to your name. Lord, we thank you for this example that we have in Joseph as to how uh, he's such a representation of how Christ is for us. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercies toward us. Lord, we thank you tonight for your son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice he's made for us and for his Holy Spirit, for your Holy Spirit that guides us and directs us. Lord, I pray that you just be with us as we depart and head to our respective homes. I thank you for loving us, and we ask these things tonight in Jesus' precious